Exacto. Ladies and gentlemen, we are tonight. We are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the evening. Please welcome your host for today. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? And Taz is here. I mean, Sal is here. Look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick. You work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks anyway. I'm touching my dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for the rundown. Back to hang our U-logs and dangle our Christmas balls all over your face. It is episode 326 of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Jason. I am joined this week not by Troy, but by the man, the myth, the legend, the host of WrestleMania Salvation right here on the Rundown feed. It is Sal himself. Sal, thanks for joining me for this week. Well, thank you for having me, Jason. It's a pleasure to be back on the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. Uh, not a lot to talk about this week, but we'll get into it one way or another. Yeah, we're, we're keeping with our theme of sort of condensed versions of the rundown for the holidays, and uh, we're going to take all the news. We're going to take all the main stories from the week. We're going to roll them all up into one nice, neat little package, and we're going to call them... The Perfect Ten! A ten! A ten! A fucking ten! And leading off our Perfect Ten this week, some relatively sad news, I guess, and, and you never want to see injuries. Of course, the news coming out in the last week that Dean Ambrose not only did suffer a legitimate injury on Raw, because there was some question whether that was part of an angle or if it was legitimate. It looks like it was, in fact, legitimate. Tore his triceps. Not in that match. That match was, of course, the blow-off to get him off TV for a while. Apparently, the injury had been... He just kind of showed up at Raw with it. Uh, it had been suffered either at a house show before that or just generally he's been working with it for a while and it got worse. But the end result was he did, in fact, have to have surgery to repair the tricep tear and, by all accounts, could be up as out as long as nine months with this injury. Obviously, it changed the face of what happened on Raw, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, I've never been the hugest fan of Ambrose in terms of his in-ring performance. I know, Sal, you have. In the past, we've gone back and forth on this. But there's certainly no doubt this guy's been the Iron Man of WWE. He, is, he has been in the most matches of any competitor for the last two years. Clearly, that may have taken a toll on him and impacted this injury. But, Sal, what is your feeling on how, how Dean Ambrose will be missed from the Raw roster for the next nine months? Uh, it sucks because any way you cut it, um, he still gets a pretty good reaction. Obviously, the Shield was getting a huge reaction, and um, I was interested to see where they go with it. I thought they kind of barely scratched the surface of this reunion. Uh, you know, Roman missed some time uh, with meningitis, and then uh, now Dean's hurt. And Dean's, you know, kind of, he's kind of got that torn ACL deal. Not the same injury, but I mean, like, where you're done. You're done for almost the foreseeable future. Uh, where no plans are going to include you now. This isn't going to be something like where he comes back after the night after Mania. We're talking possibly Survivor Series. So uh, it sucks because I don't know where he fits in the card when he does come back. Yeah, and it always sucks anytime a guy goes right before we get into WrestleMania season. Obviously, that's the biggest payday of the year for most of these guys. Uh, add to that the, the post-WrestleMania European tour, which is also always very lucrative uh, for the talent. So it's, it's, it sucks to go out, particularly at this time of the year. Um, and you're right, though. This whole Shield reunion has sort of been snake bit from the beginning. We saw, uh, as you mentioned, Roman went out with the mumps, I believe, uh, and then Angle had to fill in and Triple H had to fill in. And then Roman finally comes back. They have that one match at Survivor Series, now Dean's out, and we've sort of replaced him, and and we'll talk about that in just a second. But it definitely seems like this is just something that's just not meant to be. The, the wrestling gods do not want to see the Shield back together. Although I will say, looking a little bit down line, looking nine months into the future, I think it does set up very nicely for a, a heel 
turn for Ambrose when he comes back, sort of take out Seth and Seth replaced him and, and all this stuff. So there is a story there to get to where I think we all wanted to get, which was an Ambrose heel run. I agree with that. On a related note, you mentioned how much uh, he has been working the past two years, how many matches he's, he's been uh, performing in. And is it something at this point where it's almost to be expected where at least three or four pretty big names are going to be out for an extended period of time? I mean, at this point, we already have big casts on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now Ambrose goes out. And it seems like now this is the trend that every year, you know, at one point Cesaro missed a year. Like, Jesus, these, these guys, and I don't know if it's the schedules the WWE is forcing them to work, but they're kind of going down like flies. Well, it's interesting that you point that out because I had talked about Dean being the Iron Man, and the three years ago it was Seth that was the Iron Man, then he tore his ACL, then it was Cesaro that was the Iron Man, then he messed up his shoulder, then two years in a row it was Dean Ambrose, and now he's sitting on a triceps injury. So obviously the guys who work the most, who take the most bumps, are going to be more susceptible to these types of injuries, uh, and we're seeing it come to fruition. So we at the rundown certainly wish Dean Ambrose a speedy recovery and the the best he can get uh, as fast as he can get back into the ring because he does bring something to the show. Whether you're a fan or not, there is no denying he is certainly a presence on Monday Night Raw, and a presence that will be missed. Uh, But that did lead to an interesting turn of events on Monday Night Raw as Dean Ambrose was replaced as a tag team partner for Seth Rollins by sort of a surprise Jason Jordan uh, thrown together by their hatred, I guess, of Samoa Joe, uh, and they were put together against the bar for the tag team titles. And surprise, surprise, we have new tag team champions on the Raw brand as Jason Jordan and Seth Rollins are your new Raw tag team champions. And, and Sal, you seem to be sort of wincing as I went through the uh, permutations of that situation. I'm guessing you're not a fan of what happened on, run- on Monday night. So here's the thing. Um, Rant alert! Go ahead. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed American Alpha, and I had high hopes for them when they came up to the main roster. Uh, they really did nothing with them. They had a very short tag team title run. Um, and then they split them up. And when they split them up, I wasn't um, exactly a fan, but I was intrigued by the possibility of both these guys being single stars. Instead, here we are, less than six months later, and they're both in tag teams again. And now, Jason Jordan's once again a tag team champion, which is fine, I suppose, but, I mean, it feels like we're going backwards with Jason Jordan. You know, you put all this momentum behind him for a singles push, and now he's just a tag champ again. Well, and he also went through a period where he was sort of teaming with Matt Hardy uh, after the after the breakup of Alpha as well. So they've been sort of dangling him in and out of tag teams. Now, if you believe the reports that have come out over the last couple of days, this whole turn of events with Ambrose has sort of forced their hand a little bit, and they have now decided they're not going to push uh, Jason as sort of the whiny, heel, petulant child anymore of Kurt Angle. He's just going to try, try to push him as a straight baby face and sort of replace that spot on the roster as a face that Ambrose is leaving. Um, I thought Jason Jordan was doing amazing work. I've said it here the last few weeks on the rundown. I thought he was one of the best things on Raw, the way he was playing that character. I'm not sure how the fans are going to react because you have been having him play this character so well, how the fans are going to react to that complete flipping the switch and now trying to have him be your straight baby face. I don't think it worked the first time when they tried it. And I don't think it's necessarily going to work uh, as you try to switch it in the middle of the act. Yeah, I completely agree. And the other problem, too, is that, like you said, they condition the fans one way. And now we're knee-jerking and we're turning a different way. Hell, I would have been more accepting if they threw somebody else in there. I know you say, well, who's left? Well, I don't know. Seth's been around the company for a while. I'm sure you can find somebody and put him in that role with Seth that makes a little bit more sense. Um, I don't know. I just feel like you took all that heel work that that you got and just kind of tossed it. Yeah, it definitely feels weird. I guess we'll have to sit back and and see sort of where they go with it. Um, But I'm not necessarily... Like I said, I was really enjoying the work that uh, Jason Jordan was doing to sort of build himself up to... 
that top heel spot. And of course, as we enter WrestleMania season, a lot of people had speculated that it was going to be Jason Jordan versus Kurt Angle going into WrestleMania. Obviously, you would think, at least on the surface, if they, if they've planned direct change directions with the character, they got to change directions with the match, which leaves a lot of questions as to where we head into WrestleMania season. Well, as uh, I guess that's a perfect segue to get to our next story in the Perfect Ten. Uh, reports came out today, particularly from Dave Meltzer, uh, when somebody had asked him about AJ Styles versus John Cena being the main event match for WrestleMania or one of the main events for WrestleMania. Uh, you know, it's the storyline being Cena chasing the Ric Flair record. Uh, his response was was pretty it's pretty surprising. Uh, he said he doesn't know exactly what the story is, but that he's been told Cena's match at WrestleMania will end up being much bigger than just a match with AJ Styles. Um, that's sort of on a couple levels. First off, I, I don't know what you do that's much bigger than chasing Ric Flair's record and main eventing for a heavyweight championship at WrestleMania. Uh, it has led to speculation that we could be looking at Hogan. We could be looking at Batista. We could be looking at um, another, uh, maybe a run with Brock if they've changed their their attitude towards um, Roman, or it could be a story with um, God. And now I'm blanking on the the fourth name. It was the most likely of the scenarios. Um, you you talk on what I said. I'll, I'll look up the the other name. Okay. Uh, if I had to guess. So the the funny answer would be Vince McMahon, um, but that would just be sad, and I don't think John wants to do that. The more likely answer I think is would be Braun Strowman. Um, those two seems like they could have a really good build and match, and that would be kind of bigger than Styles because of sheer size, but also um, it would really put Strowman on the map if he beat Cena. Well, just to uh, interject, the other two names I had read that I was I was trying to remember were Goldberg and The Undertaker. Um, obviously, we've been dancing around The Undertaker-John Cena match for a long time. Uh, it's been something that people have wanted to see in the past. However, after Undertaker's performance last year against uh, Roman Reigns, sort of lackluster, a lot of people said that's not the way they wanted to see The Undertaker go out. I'm not sure how much interest there is at this point in watching another Undertaker match at WrestleMania. So that's why I don't think it's going to be anybody over the age of 50. I really don't. I don't think it's going to be Goldberg because he kind of had a little trouble going long matches. I mean, he can't perform to John's level at this point. And I don't think it's going to be The Undertaker. I think The Undertaker's done done. I know a lot of people have romanticized the idea of him returning for one more match. No. After what I saw last year, I don't need... And I understand he had the hip surgery, but I don't need to see The Undertaker again. Um, and if you do Undertaker and Cena, it's going to be one of those matches where, oh man, this would have been so much better ten years ago. It's going to be like Sting Triple H. Yeah, but you know what? They they were able to sort of dress up Sting and Triple H, and a lot of people had issues with the finish, but certainly the match was entertaining. It certainly didn't leave you uh, with, wow, that match sucked. No, I was just like, oh man, this is... It was one of those things that left you like longing, like, oh man, if Sting came here in 27, what, what if this been? You know what I mean? Yeah, but I, I don't think you would have any of that with The Undertaker or even with Goldberg because they were there. There's not, It's not the great unknown. It would just be sort of a capping to their stories. Now, that being said, you watched Taker Roman at WrestleMania 33. Mm -hmm. Do you think at this point Taker should have another match? I, I didn't think Taker should have had that match. Yeah. I mean, you know, you and I have had this discussion on the show. I've never been a huge fan of The Undertaker. Um, more not, not anything to do with Mark Calloway himself, just the, the gimmick I've no, never been a huge fan of. Um, but that said, again, if the guy thinks he can go, if Vince thinks he can go and thinks there's money to be made there, I, I don't have a problem with giving him a send-off. If, if his... For everything he's given to the business, right. if he wants one more go and he wants to go out with Cena, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna deprive. That him. is a valid and point. You, you you bring up a good point. If he wants to and he feels like he can, then by all means, Vince can promote the shit out of that, and it will draw. It will draw big money. 
Yeah, and if you promote it going in as The Undertaker's last ride, I think it will have a lot of impact. I think it will draw a lot of attention. I think it will get people interested to see it. And again, if the hip is good and he's good to go post-surgery, by all means. I mean, let's be honest. At his peak, The Undertaker was never a huge high high offense. I mean, it's not high offense, but high bump-taking guy. I mean, he took he took very basic flat bumps. Um, he wasn't going off the top rope. He wasn't like he was fairly basic in his match style, which is fine. I think that's great. I think that's something that's missing a lot from today's wrestling. It's just a basic good storytelling match. Uh, so I think they can certainly work a match in an Undertaker style that sort of hides his weaknesses at this point. Uh, last thing on this point is there a chance we're all being blinded and we're all kind of missing the so two years ago wwe had a huge acquisition of new japan they brought in aj styles they brought in shinsuke nakamura and eventually they brought in the club um could john cena's opponent wrestlemania be someone outside of the company uh, it's possible i mean it certainly could be uh, you know you never know you never say never um I don't know who is out there that would be of that caliber unless you're talking to Kenny Omega, but Kenny's been pretty straightforward that he has no interest at this point in leaving New Japan. Um, they've made sort of concessions to him in, in bringing in guys he wants to work with. Uh, originally, I think their plan was for him to face Kota Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom, and he sort of, when the when the Jericho thing came up, he sort of jumped at it and said, this is what I want to do. Uh, Kota Ibushi, of course, now going to work with Cody Rhodes, which I think will also be a great matchup to watch. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'd be surprised if that's where you're going, if, if you're dancing around the Kenny Omega thing. I, I would be shocked at that. And I also don't know stylistically how Omega and Cena would look. Well, look at Styles and Cena. I mean, uh, the best in the world. But Styles... Styles didn't have that New Japan style. He wrestled a very American style even in New Japan. Oh, that's true. He that was, is a good point. Um, so Omega's, you know, he's the stiff headshots guy. He's like the, I don't know how that translates. And I think part of that is you're seeing sort of that, that same story being told with Nakamura. I think his offense has had to have been pared down quite a bit to the point where he's maybe not getting over as much because of that as he, as he did in New Japan. So even in NXT for that matter. A fair point by you. We will have to see who John Cena will indeed face at WrestleMania. Hopefully, it's not an intergender match with Nikki Bella. <laughs> well, maybe we'll 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 see. I don't think Nikki Bella's back just yet. Um, what we are seeing is that the U.S. title tournament on SmackDown has begun. As we mentioned last week, Dolph Ziggler apparently, uh, for no real fucking reason anyone can gather, decided to vacate the title he won two nights before. Uh, on TV, and Daniel Bryan, I guess, basically said he texted Dolph, and Dolph never texted him back, so he took that as him voluntarily vacating the title. Um, I hope it just didn't get buried in a bunch of texts, and Dolph wanted his title back, because that could get awkward when he come, when he finally shows up for work. Uh, but in any event, we did see the first round kick off this past week. We saw uh, Bobby Roode defeat Baron Corbin, proving once again that Baron Corbin is no longer a thing. Uh, they actually had Corbin take the loss at the pay-per-view and then lose in the first round of the tournament. So you got to think the stock of Baron Corbin has fallen quite a bit in the eyes of the WWE. Of course, the second match in round two saw Jinder Mahal defeat the Perfect Ten Ty Dillinger. Uh, much to the dismay, I know, of a lot of the hosts of this show, myself included, who wanted to see Ty get a little bit of a run. Uh, but... We still don't know who else will be involved. Apparently eight superstars, which means we should get two more first-round matches next week. Um, I, I can already tell you my money is is on gender to win this thing, and I think putting the U.S. title on him, if you really do want to keep him strong, is a good program for him, but keeps the heavyweight title off of him, but allows him to sort of play the anti-American card while having the U.S. title, which was a great formula for Rusev. Well, you brought up a valid point when you said that this tournament is made for gender and to circle back i think that's why you have dolph just drop it um i don't know where his character is going i'm maybe they have a plan but i think the whole point of the tournament is to get it on gender gender's the one with the most heat uh to have the united states championship would be um you know obviously something he can play to his character can play to with his anti-american promos and uh he can kind of rub it in everybody's face 
Uh, I am very curious as to what the other two matches are. I'm assuming Mojo gets put in there somewhere. Um, hopefully not Ryder, because then that will just be a repeat of what we saw at Clash of Champions. And as far as Baron Corbin goes, uh, what did Miz call him? Another generic big guy? Yeah, that's what he's looking like he is right now. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully he can uh, get it together. I've never been a big Corbin fan. Uh, I know Adam, who's obviously one of the hosts on the Rundown feed as well, uh, is a big fan of Corbin, has been in the past. I've never really seen it. I, I, glimpses and moments, you sort of see a little bit of it when they sort of take the character away and he's sort of just being himself and sort of being you know, the guy behind the character. I think I've been more entertained by that guy than I have the character himself. But his moves are, are you know, fairly... You know, blumbering big man style, and I don't know that this this gets over with this this generation of fans. So uh, me and Kogo Sean have uh, both expressed similar opinions. I can't see it with Corbin. He's yeah. he's a charisma vacuum. Every feud he's been in has been awful, and I'm going all the way back to when he was feuding with Austin Aries in NXT. Yeah. Uh, everybody it was so high on Corbin, and I never got it. In fact, I loved it when he lost. When he cashed in his money in the bank briefcase, I thought it was fucking hilarious. Um, and so some people were just up in arms about that. I mean, why? I mean, we're talking about Baron Corbin, yeah. Uh, when I, said, I think when Corbin first started out as sort of a face, dominant face, Goldberg style on NXT, I thought he was working at that point. Uh, where the fans were counting down the seconds of his matches, and he was be he had a little run with Bull Dempsey where there was two huge men. I thought that worked. And I think ever since then it hasn't, and I don't really know why, but something's clearly missing that he needs to find. Well, it's his voice. I mean, the guy looks like he should sound like Loki, and he sounds like Mini, like Mickey Mouse. Like, <laughs> I just, I can't, you know. I think that was the problem too. When he was a babyface when he first started on NXT TV, he really didn't talk, and then yeah. he started cutting these whiny promos, and just I don't know, it just didn't work. We'll see. There's still a long ways to go. But uh, so you're on board with my theory that the, this tournament is designed to coronate gender as the new U.S. champion. It makes the most sense. I mean, we have yeah. we do have to see who's in the other side of the bracket. But you know, outside of a dark horse, I really can't see anybody else winning this title. But gender, unless God forbid, they do the contrived storyline of whoever wins, and then all of a sudden Dolph shows up and he's like, "Oh, I'm the real U.S. champion," because I haven't seen that a million times. <laughs> Oh, well, I guess we'll have to find out. Uh, speaking of champions, we had a new number one contender crowned this week on NXT as heading into TakeOver Philly. It's going to be Andrade Cien Almas defending his championship against Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gargano. Sort of a dark horse to win this thing, I think, when you look at the field of competition. It was himself, it was Alistair Black, it was Lars Sullivan, and it was Killian Dane. Dane. Uh, and I thought this match was great. I really enjoyed it. Uh, there was some great spots. Dane jumping off the stage all the way onto the broadcast table to put Lars Sullivan through. It was phenomenal. Uh, some great exchanges with Aleister Black and Johnny Gargano. Um, and, and the finish. Everything about this match worked for me. I love that Gargano's getting this shot because I think there's a redemption story to be told because, of course, CN beat him two times holding the DIY shirt up in front of him. Uh, and I'm putting, I'm booking this right now. This is the return of Tommaso Ciampa. Either Gargano wins and Ciampa jumps him, or Ciampa shows up and costs him that match. Stealing all my thunder right away, aren't you, Jason? I was going to say, <laughs> in my mind, the only reason Gargano is in this match is because Ciampa's getting ready to return. And uh, to your point, one way or the other, either he's costing him the title, which I think he's costing him the title, and then they have a feud at NXT uh, New Orleans, or he's going to attack him after the fact, but it makes more sense if he costs him the title, because then Johnny Gargano was this close to becoming NXT champion, only to have a ghost from his past come back and cost him the match. Uh, when you look at that Fatal 4, and I did not see the match, but like you said, you have Killian Dane, you have Lars Sullivan, and you have Aleister Black. It's hard to imagine that Johnny Gargano got, was the winner in the in this match. Um, and from what I read, he pinned Aleister Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I mean, Gargano's see, great, but do we really want Aleister Black taking a pin at this point? Yes. Yes, we do, and I'll tell you exactly why. 
One of my problems with NXT has been the contrived nature of everybody wins the championship when they're undefeated. Ah, that's true. And they stay undefeated until they lose the title. So the fact that Aleister Black has been in these competitive matches and now has suffered a defeat, to me, sort of enhances his character a little bit. It gives him something to go to. It's not an automatic that every time he goes out there, he's going to win. Um as far as this match, like I said, I do think it's probably going to be Gargano losing uh, at the hands of, of Ciampa because for a couple reasons. One, I think that frees up Black to get the shot at the WrestleMania takeover, yeah. um, as well as the fact that Ciampa and Gargano is going to be such a hot program, it won't need the title in order to be over. I agree. It's going to be over just based on the strength of those two guys and the story they're going to tell. I completely agree with that. Uh, and hopefully... Um, it's not something dumb, like just another t-shirt, and then he just loses again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, let's certainly hope not. Uh, speaking of dumb things, Broken Matt Hardy finally, I'm sorry, Woken Matt Hardy, Matt Hardy, well, it's hardly interesting. Matt Hardy. (laughs) Yes. Finally appeared in front of the live audience this week on Monday Night Raw. Uh, a move I was campaigning for last week. I wanted to see this guy. I thought the next step for him was going to have to be getting him in front of that live crowd. Uh, and they did it. And it was going great. The lights went out. Bray Wyatt was in the ring. Hardy appears. They have a little bit of a fisticuffs. Hardy's in the full robe. Everything worked. And then Hardy grabbed the mic and just made noises. Now, this is a guy who you've had cut promos three weeks in a row, so we know he can talk. We know he can get across what he wants to get across. I don't understand why you send him out there to act like an idiot and and just, like, it was just, it, it seemed like they were taking a step back on the character. And then they cut backstage to the promo with Sheamus and Cesaro. The whole time you're hearing Hardy, 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 overwhelmingly, loud from the audience such that you can't even hear the promo Cesaro and Sheamus are trying to cut, but the cameras don't see that fan reaction because they've already left the, the arena. Yeah, uh, and I kind of... The oohs and the ahs were bad because you could have just had him say delete and that could probably would have worked better if he just started exactly. a delete chant. But yep. I feel like production really failed this segment. Um, the camera didn't seem like it got the right shot. When the lights first came on, Hardy kind of came from the right side where that what should it should have been a wide shot, so you kind of see Hardy there before Bray even notices. And then, like you said, the the worst part was the crowd reacting to Hardy afterwards during Sheamus's and Cesaro's backstage promo. Well, anybody watching at home doesn't see that; they're just seeing Sheamus and Cesaro on TV, and they're like, "Oh, the crowd's being loud." You kind of mm. killed. All of Matt Hardy's, not momentum, but, you know, he could have been a really nice return, you know, debut of the character in the ring, but he did nothing with it. And I understand it's Christmas Raw, but then don't have him come out this week. Yeah, absolutely. No, I wasn't a fan of this. I think this this sets... I'm starting to become very concerned about this broken character within the WWE universe. I, I know that by all reports, they're giving Matt a lot of leeway on how to handle it, but... I, I think part of what made this character so great was sort of the off-the-wall nature of where they were, filming at the Hardy compound with the petting zoo and the drones. and the. So we're sort of seeing the WWE-ized version of this character in this broken universe, and so far it's definitely lacking some of what, it, what made it great in Impact. When Broken Matt first got broken in Impact, he didn't go into a ring on TV for almost... Well, I'll rephrase that. He didn't go into the impact zone for almost two or three months. A lot of stuff at the Hardy compound. Um, the yeah, yeah, he actually started in the impact zone. And as broken, though? Moved. Yes. Okay. Yep. Show, showed up with the, the hair, and nobody really understood it or got it. And then they went to the Hardy compound and filmed a bunch of stuff. Yeah, and then he was and there was for like a while. To get over. Yeah. yeah, I feel like there was, yeah, there was a big section of segments that were all Hardy compound, and that worked. Yep. Um, even the final deletion, that actual match with Jeff, was so great. Not because of the actual match that they got a ring and they set it up in his yard. Nobody even remembers that. It was all mm-hmm. the fucking craziness uh, around right. it. You know, the fireworks or the dilapidated boat. I mean, are they going to do that in WWE, or are we just going to get Matt ooing and ahhing? 
Well, and that's one of the things that I think is lacking from the WWE product these days is that there's no visually interesting things going on. You're either in the ring or you're in the backstage interview area. That's pretty much it. Back in the day in the, in the, in the Attitude Era, they made it a point to travel all over the arena. If they found an interesting point, they, you know, people would do segments in the bathroom. People would do segments in the offices. There was just different visuals all the time, outside the arenas, on the bridges. There was all sorts of different things for the viewer to stimulate the, their, their senses. There's not any of that these days. Again, you're either in the ring or you're in the backstage area, and that's it. Uh, and I think that's lacking. And I think that was sort of one of the things I was hoping we would see with the Hardys, with the broken gimmick showing up, was that we would get some of the visually different things um, at the Hardy compound, et cetera. Yeah, to your point, does that Austin McMahon segment work if they're not in a hospital room? Does it have the same effect? Or even when Austin took the Intercontinental title and he threw it off the bridge? Yeah. Fucking amazing. And. Why they don't do it anymore like that, I'm not exactly sure. It's probably cheaper them, for them to film off-site, at, uh, depending on what they're doing. Um, oh, no, then you have to set out, send out a mobile crew. It's always easier to film in, you know, the, the fewer locations you have to film in, the better in terms of cost. So they're just being cheap. Probably. <laughs> I mean, they did cut all the pyro out, too, Oof. so. Whatever. Eh, in any event. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you touched on it, so let's talk about it a little bit. For the first time in history, Raw went live on Christmas Day this year. Obviously a source of controversy for some of the talents who weren't entirely thrilled to be away from their family. I know Finn Balor tweeted something uh, about you know ha- not being happy to have to leave his family, but you know his mom putting it in perspective for him. Uh, Rebby Hardy was very outspoken about Matt being away for the holidays. Um I I was I was I grew up in an era where Christmas Day was a big day in territory wrestling. Uh everyone ran on Christmas night uh and they drew really well on Christmas night. And Raw I think drew really well. If you looked at it, the place looked packed for the for the show. I don't again, I don't know, sometimes they can get funny angles with cameras and make it look more full than it is, but it looked pretty full. The crowd seemed pretty hot, so I don't know. But um it was also Chicago, which is always a hotbed. But when I look at it, we got John Cena, which was obviously the, the move to sort of spike ratings, and he came out and had a relatively disappointing match with Elias, uh, a lot of punches and kicks and not much else. Uh, Elias apparently getting in trouble for mentioning CM Punk on air, despite the fact that the crowd was chanting it. Uh, but then you look at some of the stuff like uh, Apollo Crews, right? First Christmas with his new baby. And he has to be away from his baby on Christmas Day so that he can stand next to Titus while Titus gets handed a DVD by Goldust. That was their only involvement in this show. Like, was that really? Uh, I don't know. I guess it is what it is. And, and when I talked about the territory wrestling, the other thing is most of the guys lived in the territories where they were working exactly. in the area. They could spend the day with the family and then head to the arena. Obviously, that's not the case here. Uh, as these guys have to travel all across the country to get there. I wasn't necessarily a fan of it, just because I, I didn't think the show was great, first off, um, outside of, of the tag team title main event, which I thought was really good. For the most part, it was a it was a poor to average episode of Raw, I think is as high as I would go with it. Uh, and if you're not going to deliver something major, there's just no point in doing it. So I had to go back, and I I had to think about you know when i was a kid or even when i was a teenager raw was on on monday if if christmas fell on a monday but then i you know i started reading and realized well it was pre-taped yeah it's best of stuff so why they wouldn't just do a pre-tape uh is is beyond me because they they have fucking hours and hours of anything they could have thrown out there um Thank God they were in Chicago, because I can't imagine if they were, like, in Minneapolis how bad it would have been, because at least the crowd was hot, to your point. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed the promo segment to start off with Cena and and uh, Elias. I like that Elias punched him in the face. You <laughs> you actually don't even see that anymore. Like, usually he'll just hit him with the guitar, or he just clocked him right in the face and, and ended the segment that way. I thought and it looked kind of stiff too. Yeah, I thought that was great. Uh, like you said, the match lacked something. I enjoyed Joe and Reigns. Um, yes. I thought Reigns had a lot of fire and showed a lot of purpose. You know, he said he was going to avenge his brother. You know, you take out my brother, I'm going to take you out, and he almost did. He had mm-hmm. Joe beaten to death at one point. 
uh, even after the bell, which, by the way, I'm not really happy with the way they DQ'd that. You know, the ref is, like, hanging on Roman's bicep, trying to get him out of the corner, and then he just calls for the bell. I was like, nah, not a fan. Um, didn't even mention my favorite part, probably, of the entire episode of Raw, and the reason why this guy needs to be in the main event picture. Samoa Joe's promo with Renee Young where he just mocks her about putting out Dean Ambrose, but is subtle about it. He didn't go overtly go, you know, that's your husband, and I took him out. He's <clears throat> very subtly like, yeah, now Dean Ambrose can be home with his family because I took him out as he's staring her dead in the eyes. It was beautiful. She looked like she um, wanted to kill him. <laughs> Yeah, and she did a great job too. That that promo was was probably to for my money the best thing on Raw this week. Uh, and Samoa Joe continues to kill it when when a microphone is put in his face. And that's the thing, Joe is beco- Joe is becoming quickly the best thing on Raw every week. Uh, whether it's a in ring promo segment, a backstage promo segment, what he just did with Renee, uh, great great work by Joe. Um, there was at one point where I was wondering if either Renee's a really great actress or she didn't know that Joe was going to, like, bring that personal side into the interview. Because her face uh, was, like, just looked like there was, like, emoji red, you know, angry face. <laughs> like, Yeah, I, I don't know. My guess is she probably knew about it. Uh, I don't necessarily know that's the thing you'd spring on somebody on live TV just because you never know what the reaction is going to be. So, well, I, I who knows, but my guess is she knew about it. But I thought it was great. Uh, all in all, Christmas Raw, big thumbs down. Um, for me at least, and I don't look forward to New Year's Day Raw either. Yeah, but you know what else I really didn't like about Christmas Raw? Did you see the backstage segment with Enzo and Naya? Yes. Oh my fucking god. What what are we... It's a Saved by the Bell episode now? We're we're gonna part ways on this, because I actually thought it was great. No, dude, I... I, That whole segment, you might as well just substituted uh, Enzo and Naya for Zach and Kelly... And Alexa played the screech role because that's how fucking stupid it was. Okay, but here's the thing: Did you hear the crowd reaction when Alexa interrupted him? I know it's getting over. This is so. It's fucking getting awesome. over. It's working. They're oh. telling a story people are interested in seeing. So I thought it was great. They the the will they or won't they the teaser. People I'm not were a like legit disappointed that he didn't get the kids. People were like, "Aw!" I'm like, "What are you guys reacting to this for? This is garbage." Well, and, and the trick is, the trick here is they they have to do something to make sure Enzo doesn't come across as a face in this because they've they've invested a good amount of time in in building him as a heel. So what he should do is sort of mess around with Naya for a while, and then we find out he was only doing it to get close to Alexa. That would be, that would be a great. way to tell this story. That would be great. That's exactly what they should do. Uh, now we also had uh, some goings on in the world of SmackDown this week. As AJ Styles took on Kevin Owens in the main event match, and uh, Owens scoring the pinfall victory with a little bit of an assist from Sami Zayn, sort of causing a distraction for AJ. Um, I'm not entirely sure where the story's going because every week it seems the heel face aspect between Daniel Bryan and Shane seems to switch. This week it felt much more like Shane was the heel, whereas last week it sort of felt like Daniel was the heel. So I'm currently wondering if. Kevin Owens is going to get a run with uh, AJ at the top from now until Mania. Because, you know, he, like you said, he got a pinfall victory over the WWE champion. Shane himself is the one who pretty much cost AJ that match. And Owens now has a legitimate claim to a title match, which could be yeah, very we're, interesting. We're, we're just coming off a program where these same two guys for the U.S. title that took up a good chunk of 2017. I don't know if they want to go right back to that well in 2018. Well, be for too long i can see a match at the rumble you know yeah it's possible um to that end i guess we can jump right into our next topic because it all sort of ties together uh the arena sort of spoiled wwe's main event for the fast lane pay-per-view which is a smackdown only event uh announcing that the main event that night would be a fatal five-way with aj styles defending the championship against kevin owens randy orton Sami Zayn, and shinsuke nakamura uh, this also would lead me to believe, uh, if this is in fact correct, and you never know because sometimes these things aren't, but if this is in fact correct, this would lead me to believe that whoever wins the Royal Rumble is coming from the Raw side 
because otherwise this would be a number one contenders match for who gets the shot at WrestleMania. Right. Um, it's difficult to envision Shinsuke Nakamura winning the Rumble and then also getting put in this match. Right. Um, mm, I guess to that end, that, that would be disappointing because there's nobody on the Raw side uh, that I really want to win. And obviously Roman makes the most sense, but it's also the most boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... That being said, I would really enjoy a fatal five-way between these between these five. Uh, in fact, I would love it if somebody actually won the title at this. I know I've been advocating for Styles to go to WrestleMania with the title, but when I look at this uh, potential match, can you imagine if Sami Zayn walked out of there, the WWE champion? I mean, it would be... It, no, I can't no, imagine and that's it. the thing. You can't imagine it, but... So there's a little potential for shock value in this match, Probably nothing happens. Styles walks in and walks out as champ, but it is an interesting concept. Yeah, obviously we'll have to wait and see if it's official and we'll predict it when we get closer to it, but it certainly is interesting in terms of the the early release of it and the potential repercussions it could indicate going forward as we head into WrestleMania season. Uh, A lot of things probably going to become much clearer after the Royal Rumble, the Raw after the Royal Rumble in terms of where we're going for Mania, but... uh, I'm excited to see a five-way like that. I think it could be very interesting, at least. Absolutely. Uh, We're going to close out the Perfect Ten this week with some potentially scary news that occurred last night at a live event in Uniondale, New York. Reports quickly surfaced around the Internet uh, that Paige may have suffered a uh, uh, new version or a uh, re-aggravation of her neck injury. Uh, in a six-person tag, it was obviously the team of Absolution against Mickey James, Sasha Banks, and Bailey. At some point during the match, apparently Sasha uh, executed a kick to the neck, so the back neck or high shoulder area of Paige. Uh, some reports indicate it looked like Paige was not prepared for the kick, didn't know it was coming, uh, and just sort of crumpled in the ring. The match was stopped. Uh, EMTs were brought into the ring. The doctors uh, came in. They checked on her. A stretcher was brought to the ring. Uh, at that point, Paige started moving all of her extremities, her legs, her arms. She got her head up, uh, and she was, in fact, able to walk out on her own. After the fact, Dave Meltzer has since reported that she was seen later that night at the hotel bar with friends. So she apparently avoided a hospital trip. Uh, it was being reported now that she simply stuff- suffered a stinger. But given everything this girl's been through in the last year, I, a lot of people, I think, had to be very concerned when this report started surfacing. Oh, yeah. I was when the reports first came out. I, I couldn't believe it because, like you said, everything this girl's been through, um, they're in a tough spot. You want to build her back up, and you want her to to build up you know, her stop power again, so you can't just not have her wrestle. And like you said, when you, when you come back from injury... The best thing is to get in there and get as many reps as you can get. Um, so I don't fault the WWE for having her in this match. I think it was one of those things that kind of just happened. Uh, hopefully she is fine. Hopefully she's back on Raw on Monday. They don't miss a beat and this doesn't even get talked about. But uh, what a huge loss it would be if something did happen to Paige at this point going into the first Women's Royal Rumble. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if you heard about this. But Stephanie McMahon announced the first Royal Rumble for women. Did she last week on Raw? Did she? They haven't. They haven't really mentioned it or reminded you in any way. But yeah, that happened. And, and who mentioned it? That was that was Stephanie McMahon. Wow. I believe it's actually the Stephanie McMahon Memorial Women's Royal Rumble is actually the name of the event. So you're saying she's dead? No. Damn it. No. 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 <laughs> Sorry, Hunter. <laughs> wow. Ugh. Anyway, but yeah, so that, that happened. That is going to wrap up this week's Perfect 10. Now we are going to go and discuss all the indie dates that are important to you, or at least to the promotions that let us know where they're going to be. Can I make a quick side note? Sure. Uh, Hideo Itami's career in America is once again uh, spiraling out of control as he legitimately broke the orbital socket of Ryan Kendrick where they go to sleep on Monday Night Raw. Kendrick with a fractured face is now going to be out as well. And Tommy just not working in America at this point. Again, we talked earlier that New Japan style doesn't necessarily translate. These guys are conditioned to hit hard, hit stiff, 
and that doesn't always work as well. Now they put him right back in the ring the following night with Jack Aller on 205 Live, which I haven't watched because it's 205 Live. But um, I, I assume there's there's probably not much heat on him if they put him right back out there. Right. Yeah. Like you would like to see that Japan J- Japanese style translate much smoother and much easier, but I don't know. There's been a few people that have been <laughs> caught with a stiff shot. And had a broken orbital socket because of it. Well, Shinsuke did it to the... I was going to say, Shinsuke did it to Austin Aries as well. Speaking of which, the Revival, nowhere to be seen after their big return last week. So, who the fuck knows what's going on with that tag team division. Right. Anyway, uh, Midwest Midwest Entertainment Wrestling is proud to announce that the 20-foot MWE ring will be set inside the Crown Upton Theater, one of the most iconic locations in the history of Wichita, and that all occurs on Friday night, December 29th, 2017, as Midwest Entertainment Wrestling and the MWE will be crowned the best in the Midwest. Uh, Doors open at 6 p.m. The show starts at 7 p.m. Tickets are on sale at TicketFly.com. Ringside, $35. Adult general admission, $20. Kids 12 and under general admission, $15. Shaken or stirred bartending will be there. This event will feature the Honky Tonk Kid, Quinn, Johnny the Mangler, Mr. Fitness 2, and the Samoan Predator. For more information, visit MWEProWrestling.com. And don't forget about DOA Pro Wrestling presenting Portlandia Sunday, January 7, 2018. Ages 21 plus, full bar and menu. Doors open at 1 p.m. Bell time is 2. All tickets are $15 and seating is first come, first serve. Already signed to appear, DOA Grand Champion Ethan HD. DOA Pure Champion Julian Y. Wyatt. DOA Tag Team Champions, 4 Minutes of Heat, FMW Hardcore Legend Dr. Luther, Mike Santiago, Rock God Ricky Gibson, Wade Hess, not reading that one, Dr. Cleaver, Chef, The Devil, Drexel, The Higher Five, CJ Edwards, Sonico, not reading the next one either, Northwest Express, Eric Wright, Udo, Johnny Paradise, Kane Jaden, and much, much more. Tickets on sale now. And tickets are on sale now for Bruce City Wrestling. Celebrates their 14th anniversary show, Rise to Honor 14, on Friday, the 12th of something. January. January 12th, 2018, at the Columbus Club of West Dallas, 1800 South 92 Street. Bell time is 7.30 p.m. Door at 6.45. Tickets available at BruceCityWrestling1.com. $25 for ringside, $17 advance pre-sale, or $20 general admission at the door. Meet and greet stars with Shane Douglas, WWE Hall of Famer Greg the Hammer Valentine, and more. Tickets are $10. Then join the stars of Bruce City Wrestling at the Slurp and Burp Fun Bar. Already signed. Main event. There's nothing there. Uh, that's the War Games Steel Cage ah. with the Heathens taking on the Bruce City Saints. Uh, in an Extreme Rules fans bring the weapons match, the ECW legend, the franchise, Shane Douglas, takes on the BCW franchise, Evil Dis. In a loser gets their head shaved match, the Marman, Mario Crivello, is going to take on the fabled one, Aesop Mitchell, former rundown sit-down guest. Also featuring the 2018 Brew City Wrestling Hall of Honor inductions. More info coming soon. You can get all that information on BrewCityWrestlingTheNumberOne.com. And LPW Homecoming will take place on Saturday, February 24th at the Elks Hall in Clinton, Massachusetts. That's 128 School Street. Doors open at 6.30 p.m. Live wrestling begins at 7.30 p.m. Tickets for this event are just $15 or a four-pack for $50. Already announced the main event for the LPW Heavyweight Championship. Another former sit-down guest, the selfie-made man, Vern Vicalo, takes on Kenny of the Spirit Squad. Davian takes on Alicia Edwards, TNA Impact Knockout. The LPW Women's Championship will be on the line as Adira defends against Tequila Rose. The LPW Tag Team Champions The Heat, Ilya Markopoulos and Christian Casanova will be in action defending the titles. Also appearing the LPW Hard Knocks Champion Brick Stone, All Good Anthony Green, Scotty Slade, Sweat Boy, Christopher James, Tomahawk, and more will be announced in the coming weeks. For more information, check out LuckyProWrestling.com. 
And that is going to do it for this edition of the Rundown on Thursday, December 28th, 2017. It has been five minutes since the WWE played the video package announcing the Women's Royal Rumble, thanks to Stephanie McMahon. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Rundown Podcast. Go to Facebook.com slash Rundown Wrestling. Email the show at RundownWrestling at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail like Sal usually does at 617-863-6967. That is 61Rundown7. We are on Patreon, so be like Mike Smathers. Head over to Patreon.com slash Rundown Wrestling to become a patron. Currently, we have a reward level at $5 called the Rundowner, which grants you access to one Patreon. Patreon-only episode of The Rundown. We're currently working on scheduling episode two, but until then, there is more Mark Henry up there, so you should definitely go check that out. Um, you can check out the Slasher Sanitarium if you're a fan of horror. Listen to our friends, the Kingpin, Brian Malonis, and Mike Crockett on the wrestling podcast about nothing with new podcasts dropping every Monday and Thursday. You can check them out on Facebook at facebook.com the slash DWPAN or on their brand new home on the interwebs the WPAN.com where all their archives are as well. Check out our friend Justin Michaels in prime time on his show Yesterland Waltz on Tough TV and subscribe to the Rundown Podcast and that will allow you to hear all of the shows on our feed including NXT Revisited, the Rundown Sitdowns which I just recorded another one today. I'm really looking forward to getting out there. Uh, WrestleMania Salvation which I just recorded last night with Sal as it it is. Uh, Glow Shtick and the Nitro Mania Podcast. Sal, what's coming up on the next edition of salvation on the next edition of wrestlemania salvation as jason mentioned he joins me as we discuss wrestlemania 8 live from indianapolis indiana in the hoosier dome it's a double main event sid justice will face hulk hogan and what could be hulk hogan's farewell match spoiler it's not and the macho man randy savage takes on rick flair in the macho flair affair under the bright lights in the big city. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thank you to Sal for joining me. Thank you to Ray Williams for the logo. Thank you to myself for our theme song. Next week, we are going to bring you our annual best and worst of the year show. So you do not want to miss that. And we will see you next Thursday. Bye-bye. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created and subsequently abandoned by Adam Salzer and is produced and edited by Jason Stewart. This episode was hosted by Jason Stewart and Sal DeCheca. We are a proud Questionable Endeavor Network member. Check out all their shows, including the other wrestling shows, the Raw Attitude Podcast and the New Blood Rising Podcast, horror shows, the Slasher Sanitarium and the Shadowvane Podcast, as well as the rest of their shows, Taco Tuesday, Words of Geekdom, Pwn Stars, the Reanimator Podcast, and Nerd CTLR, all at questanetwork.com. And tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. <laughs>